0: Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time.
1: Under the radar. You're listening to Mania FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Now, our guest for today is no stranger to Singaporeans. Founded in 1974, Temasek is a global investment company with 12 offices across eight countries. Now, the state investor has a long-term horizon, where activities are guided by their views on long-term structural trends. It mostly invests in equities, though it does not set limits for geographies, sectors, or asset classes. The firm recently released its latest annual review for FY 2023 and its net portfolio value dropped to 382 billion SING dollars from the 403 billion SING dollars seen in 2022. Meanwhile, one-year total shareholder return was at negative 5.07% due to a fall in the valuation of public and private equities. 10-year and 20-year total shareholder returns though remained robust at 6 and 9% respectively. So how does Demasic read into its latest performance and what is its current portfolio construction strategy and outlook for Singapore companies. Well, for more, let's speak to Peng Chin-Yi, Chief Financial Officer at Demasic. Chin-Yi, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Thanks for having me great to have you on board with us, and let's dive straight into some of the key numbers, Chini. Overall portfolio value for Tamasic was at $382 billion for FY 2023, down from that $403 billion we saw in 2022. And if we include write-downs, Temasek reported a group net loss of $7 billion for the financial year ended March, which is the first time in the red since 2016. Now the question is, how would you assess or benchmark this year's performance given the wide macroeconomic environment we are seeing?
0: Right. So I, I have to say that this has been a very challenging year for us, mm. but, you know, I think the portfolio remains quite resilient. If you look at our results uh, since uh, COVID, actually we sustained the recovery from the pre-COVID lows uh, with a three-year TSR of 8%. And, you know, as a long-term uh, investor, we tend to focus more on longer-term returns. So if you look at our 10- and 20-year TSRs, those are at uh, 6 and 9% respectively. Um, so, you know, as a Full equity investor, we, we will not be immune to the sort of yearly mark to market volatility in, mm. in the equity markets. And so that's something that we are quite prepared to, to weather in the short term if we deliver the longer term returns. And maybe just let me give you a bit more color around the uh, loss that you spoke about. Mm. Um, actually, a large contributor to that, uh, most contributor to that, is actually uh, the unrealized mark to market losses that we had on the uh, sub 20 portfolio. Mm. So if you exclude that from the uh, profit statement, actually the operating profit for the group was around 15 billion. And that speaks to the resilience of the underlying portfolio companies that we have, the profit stability that they have, um, and you know just to just to also make the point that the mark-to-market losses are unrealized. Yeah and, you know, uh, uh, can be reversed in in time.
1: Mm. And I do want to take a look at returns, uh, Chini. Demasic's one-year shareholder return has fallen to negative 5.07% for FY2023. I believe last year's figure was uh, positive 5.81% in Singapore dollar terms. How far does that concern you given that, the longer-term total shareholder returns remained robust, plus-minus-one percentage points from last year's figures.
0: Yeah, so, so I think you're right to say that we've given up you know, uh, the gains that we had last year. And I think when we uh, announced our results, we also talked about the fact that the Singapore portfolio was quite resilient, but our global investment uh, 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 had the impact from the um, uh, derating in, in equities uh, that uh, that came as a result of a higher interest rate. Mm.
1: Um,
0: but actually, if you if you look at the underlying uh, returns that those portfolios still command, despite the D rating, uh, actually, they're actually uh, still doing quite well.
1: Mm. Okay, the question is, uh, if we look at one-year total shareholder returns, uh, will negative TSR persist and what action will be taken then?
0: Yeah, so I think it's very hard for us to um, uh, try to guess mm. where the market is going to be at any one point in time. Yeah. Obviously, we report our results uh, for 31st March, and you know, on any given 31st March, the market can be where the market is. Mm. Uh, for us, really, the point is to look to build a portfolio that we think is uh, resilient and forward-looking, uh, resilient to exogenous shock, and can actually withstand the short-term volatility to deliver better returns for us uh, over time. So we talked in our press conference today about the fact that we moved into focused sectors, and those have delivered better returns for us compared to the overall portfolio. And then we shifted those, uh, we refined those focus sectors into our structural trends, and those have delivered better returns for us. Mm -hmm. And so incrementally, we want to make sure that we reposition the portfolio uh, consistently to generate better returns uh, for us.
1: Hmm. Let's talk about positioning of the portfolio. I do want to take a look at Temasek's investments and uh, unlisted assets because if we look at data from Bain and Company, private equity deal value declined between 25 and 53% within APEC last year after two years of record deal-making. But we do know there are volatilities for listed assets as well. So is the slowdown in deal-making an opportunity for Temasek to invest in nascent industries or does that present an exit risk for you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely,
0: right? We have a, we're in a net cash position. We have quite strong liquidity that gives us flexibility to hunt for attractive opportunities in this market. Mm. Um, but it also means that we need to be more selective uh, and mindful that the companies that we invest in have the wherewithal to thrive in an environment where capital is a lot more scarce uh, and expensive. Um, so it goes towards the selection of uh, investments that, uh, that we'll think about. So uh, we will move into companies that we think have got stronger cash flow uh, generating capabilities, stronger pricing power, people who can actually have uh, enough cash buffer to withstand you know, longer periods without access to, to capital markets. Uh, so this definitely is an opportunity for us. Mm. Um, but we also keep in mind the fact that actually exits can be longer. And so as mm. we position these companies, as we think about where we want to invest, that needs to be part of the consideration.
1: Mm. And against the backdrop of a slowing global economy and geopolitical uncertainties as well, what is the outlook ahead for Singapore? And how resilient are Singapore companies, both are listed and non-listed companies?
0: Well, Singapore is a very open economy. It cannot be immune to uh, what's going on in the rest of the world. So if the rest of the world is slowing down, then you know, Singapore will be, will be impacted as well. Uh, I think the good thing is that the MAS did act very early in terms of uh, raising rates. Uh, so inflation is contained uh, in Singapore, also helped by a strong Sing dollar. Uh, and there are also advantages that we have that we can benefit uh, in, this, in this environment. So, for example, uh, as we see the reconfiguration of supply chains uh, away from China, I think Southeast Asia and Singapore can benefit uh, from those trends. Uh, we are engaging the Singapore companies uh, in our stable to also think about um, how uh, the trends that we identified, Mm -hmm. the structural trends that we identified uh, can impact them and what is the step that they need to take to transform their own business model so that they can be more resilient, they can also uh, be more forward in their own business uh, plans. Mm -hmm. So one example would be, for example, uh, we supported SETS Recently, it's the acquisition of uh, Worldwide Flight Services, yeah. and that's really to transform them from being just a uh, you know a local player to a global player.
1: Hmm. And let's take a look at the wider business environment, Chini. I understand Tamasic has been following or focusing on four structural trends, uh, which are digitalization, sustainable living, future of consumption, and longer lifespan. Uh, to what extent will you stick to these trends in your portfolio construction strategy? What are Tamasic's engines of growth at the moment, say AI, for instance? Yeah,
0: so when we developed this trends in 2016, we set out uh, with a mind to identify trends that we think can persist for, you know, a five, 10 year horizon, uh, not something which is very short term. Yeah. So, you know, despite COVID, despite the last three years, uh, we've seen actually that these trends are still relevant for us, mm-hmm. right? And they actually are very cross-cutting across sectors, across business models. Um, so, so I think these trends remain relevant. Uh, I would consider, for example, what you say about AI, part of the digitization trends, right? A lot of what AI does today is actually built upon the fact that there's been digitization, there's been data uh, that's out there, and it's really a, 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 a process and a, and a, and a uh, sort of next step in the digitization uh, process. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we think about uh, the four trends, when we first identified them, we were actually much more overweight in digitization for example compared to sustainable uh, living mm-hmm. and in the last um, few years we've actually been doing a lot more in the sustainable living space and that I think will be a focus for us going forward in mm-hmm. areas of uh, you know, food water, waste, uh, clean energy, the built environment and novel materials. So that's an area where we're putting in quite a lot of emphasis uh, apart from AI.
1: And hmm. I meanwhile, Chinye, is Tomasic's view on the crypto sector and new growth investments after its investment in FTX? Because I understand the firm said earlier this year that the investment team responsible for investing in FTX had that compensation reduced but to what extent does that deter the firm from high risk and potentially higher return investments?
0: Yeah, so I would say that we are quite circumspect on the crypto space, right, uh, post, uh, post um, uh, the, the events. Um, but actually, if you think about our uh, early stage strategy as a whole, mm. uh, that's actually delivered good returns for us uh, since we've, uh, since we've uh, started on that strategy. Um, and we recognize that with the early stage, there are uh, binary risks, and so the way we deal with it is we have diversification of the portfolio. We cap um, our exposure to the early stage uh, to 6% of the portfolio. But the reason we do early stage is, 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 uh, is multiple, right? One is actually for us to be able to track um, developments in technology, developments in um, business models which may impact our existing portfolio and to be ahead of the curve to think about what the implications might be, right? And then it also gives us the opportunity to identify winners early, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, double down on them as they scale and that yeah. actually gives a lot of value, um, so, so that's really why we invest in early stage and it continues to be a focus for us.
1: Mm. And Chini, just one quick one before we let you go. Tamasic said last November that it will open up an office in Paris to focus on investments in Europe, Middle East and Africa region. Where will Tamasic's focus be in terms of geographical markets? Will you guys be moving away from US-listed stocks given the geopolitical uncertainties, higher interest rate environment? To what extent will Asia and China in particular be a key focus area?
0: Right. So actually, we go where the opportunities are and where we see, um, you know, uh, interesting opportunities that fit the trends that we're looking at. So prior to the 2010s, we were primarily an Asian uh, house. We made a deliberate effort to uh, open offices in Europe and U.S. to look for opportunities in those markets and over time that has shifted, uh, but we don't really have a fixed geographical sort of allocation as such, but we need to look at where the, the opportunities are. So our, our new office in Paris will mm-hmm. support our activities um, in the EU, uh, and you know, but we will expect to go where we see opportunities.
1: Thanks a lot, Chin Yi. That was Peng Chin Yi, Chief Financial Officer from Temasek. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider
0: if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.